1: my house how are you <laughs> not too bad where are you at uh in baltimore yeah i'm in baltimore right now Just got home from tennessee so. oh really
0: what were you doing there
1: Rest, wrestling it was um tennessee all pro wrestling it out tennessee it's like nothing nothing's wrong <laughs> i don't know like it it's like nothing happened out there everything's very normal really <laughs> like
0: all the bars are open and everything my brother just moved to nashville he says it's like like they don't even care
1: that's right yeah yeah i um I was in Bourbon Street Friday, and everything was open. There was thousands of people there. They don't care. <laughs>
0: that's, that's nuts. Were there crowds? Like, do you guys actually have, like, a crowd?
1: Yeah. Dude. It's
0: uh, like, happened.
1: Yeah, I'm doing this Jerry Lawler show in a couple of weeks. I'll get into that on our thing, and that's – they're expecting a couple thousand people at that. Really? Uh, nuts. Yeah.
0: So do you actually have, like, booked, uh, like, bookings coming up for wrestling?
1: Just – like you know, here few and far in between because a lot of the states are shut down. So, um, I mean, I'm going to Tennessee a lot because they're completely open, West <laughs> Virginia. Um, other than that, yeah, it's just you know, like you get what you can take right now. That's nuts. Like, how, how many guys do they got? Like, wrestling,
0: uh, 20. Yeah, enough to fill the card. Yeah, the, the thing I kind of wanted to start with for you kind of like your origins of wrestling growing up uh, like what was your kind of inspiration to get into the squared circle like why why pick wrestling like did you have any other uh, ulterior motives that you kind of wanted to do before wrestling or was that like your thing from the time you were a little kid like you wanted to be a professional wrestler
1: yeah that's exactly it I wanted to be a wrestler my whole life I can't remember not wanting to be a wrestler I think I just wanted to be a wrestler since I thought about being anything and um yeah I just always wanted to do it always loved it always enjoyed watching it and uh here I am sitting here talking to fans all over the world it's awesome
0: so like you literally like there was nothing else that you like wanted to was there ever a time like when you felt like maybe this isn't gonna work out and you had to try something else
1: well before WWE I worked with people with special needs I did that for eight years um from the time I was uh 25 until well 24 until uh Thirty, thirty-one, thirty-two. I worked people with special needs before. Then I worked at like Burlington Cove Factory. I worked at a golf course. I, I did like you know whatever. But right. I never inspired to be anything else. I, like it's just weird, man. Like I, it's all I ever wanted to do. It's all I ever thought about. And it's all ever like I never not I didn't. I never thought I would ever not get to the point where I wasn't doing it for a living. I knew somehow, some way, I would do it for a living one day.
0: Wow. Were there, t- like, obviously, I'm I'm sure in, like, the indie scene, there were tough goings, like, the- it was a grind, I'm sure. Were there no. any moments where it was just like, oh, my God, like, I can't do this anymore, I kind of need a break?
1: Yeah, well, so before I got to WWE, I was doing it 14 years, and I would work a regular job during the week, and then on the weekends, I would wrestle, so I was never home. I was only home at night, um, on weekdays, and, and like, I'd be up for two hours, and I'd go to sleep, because I'd work two jobs. I'd work with people with special needs, and I'd I'd work 40 hours, one job, and 20 hours, another job, Monday through Friday, so I'd work 60 hours a week. Then on Fridays, I would get off work and go wrestle, and wrestle Saturdays, and Sunday was the only day I was home, (laughs)
0: like,
1: and so 14 years into it, I was like, man, I got to slow down wrestling. I was like, I got to, like just, I, I run my own promotion. I was like, maybe I'll just wrestle for my own promotion and put myself in matches with names, and maybe that'll help me out. I'll get in front of the right people, or I'll wrestle the right people, and or you know, maybe I'll do something that will catch their eye, and and maybe I'll become something. Like so, I started. Like the two weeks before the Strowman match, I I thought that I was like, I need to slow down. I need to, you know, I'm. I was like, like I said, I was 31. Yeah. And I was like, I really need to, like, take a step back. And then two weeks later, I had the Stroman match and everything picked up, so.
0: Oh, my God. So, like, you mentioned you working working two different jobs at that point in, like, the indie scene. Like, are you – like, what's the diet like? Like, I'm sure it can't be healthy, like, being on the road all the
1: time. Oh, no, man. Like, that's been my downfall in life. But I just like to eat, so I, yeah. I don't like to eat anything. Like if I didn't, I jog every morning and I walk every morning and exercise. If I didn't, I'd blow up uh, <laughs> because I I, just, I like to eat bad. I and I don't you know the uh, pizza, donuts, chips, cookies, yeah. like all the bad stuff for you. But I, I mean, I enjoy sushi and I enjoy protein bars and I enjoy all that too. But I, you know, but I I do diet. I um you know I fast for 16 hours a day and only eat in an eight-hour window just so I don't blow up right and so yeah it was I, i've never been on a strict diet where it's like i'm cutting this out of my you know eating habits uh I, you know so I like it was like for me you know the average guy at wwe is probably six one two twenty, 220 and i'm 5'8 right now i'm 5'8 170 but you know when i started wrestling in 2002 i was 5'8 125 130 i was really skinny and i don't like have the gq look i not lucky like that. Like, you, you know, you look a little GQ there, right? <laughs> but, uh, I appreciate it. But, like, you know, a Dolph Ziggler, a Randy Orton, or a Seth Rollins, they're all like real, you know, good looking dudes. G- like, GQ, you could put them on a magazine. I don't have that. Even like the cruiserweights, they all look like that. Or Mustafa Perfect. Ali. He's, yeah. He's the- so, yeah, I had a lot. Yeah, and I don't have a legacy. I don't, I didn't, nobody in my family wrestled before me. I didn't go to the PC. I didn't go to NXT. I, didn't, I wasn't a big name on the Indies. I had everything against me to make it, um, to where I made it and and do what I did. And, and, um, but I just always thought like the art form of professional wrestling is the best, most interesting art form in the world. And I always thought, man, if I could just tell stories and cut a good promo and sell them small, if I could sell good, I'll say, I think I would have a chance if I just really get good at all that. Yeah. Were
0: were there ever times where promoters kind of told you, like, this isn't going to work out? Like, was it, I mean, I'm sure it was like a constant struggle trying to get over that hump of, you know, like, you're not the typical, you know, like, big guy that a promoter would want. Like, was it a hard time
1: for you kind of uh, gelling with promoters in that sense? Well, before WWE, so I would do like the smaller indies. And do real well, you know, I had a good gimmick. I was pretty Jimmy, and I had a tag partner named Adam Ugly, and we were pretty ugly. Pretty Jimmy, Adam Ugly, pretty ugly. And it was a cool gimmick. And, you know, we would come back to the same show that people would remember us because our gimmick, and they would make noise, and, they, would, you know, we were heels. They would boo us, and we'd be in So we would try to take that to the bigger indies. Like, I did a little bit of CZW back in the day, and we would try to take that gimmick there. And, you know, And, and he wasn't, and Adam, my partner at the time, he wasn't real... GQ either, chubby, real chubby at the time, and like short, you know, we don't, we're not skinny, good-looking guys, so it's just like, people looked at us like, man, these guys don't really have anything, even though we had an awesome gimmick, and we could have took that anywhere, I think, but yeah, yeah, it was hard, like promoters, I mean, dude, like, and I don't blame the promoters, like, I I mean, to me, if you have something special, the crowd will tell you, because they'll react to you. And everywhere, in the Indies, everywhere I went, I would get the crowd to react to me. Because I, I had a good trainer, Axel Rod, former ECW original. And he taught me how to work that crowd. And, like, I'm not shy. Like, as a person, I'm very, like, open and charismatic. And I get along with everybody, which sometimes isn't a good thing because people take advantage of that. But, like, um, yeah, so I would try the bigger Indies before WWE. And they'd look at you differently, yeah, for sure.
0: What, what do you think was the thing that got you over? Uh, obviously, in WWE, we all know that story. But in the, the indie scene, what do you think got you over as a wrestler?
1: Well, like I said, I'm just, you, you know, him and I, uh, when we did that tag gimmick pretty ugly, like, I come out and I look so different. Like, you've you got to be a needle in the haystack. Like, a lot of guys on TV right now all look the same. I mean, like, Seth Rollins, Mustafa Ali, and Elias all look like the same guy to me, like, so I would come out on the Indies, I would wear fishnets, I'd put my hair in a blonde, big blonde mohawk, I'd wear mascara, I'd be spraying my mohawk, and I, I look like a character, you know, and, and I look different than everybody else on the show. So, I mean, if you line up like, you know, 10 gallons of milk, and you have one gallon of strawberry milk, you're like, hey, you're, your eye's going to go to the strawberry milk, because it <laughs> it, it's different. And, um, yeah, that's, you got to be different. You got to bring something different to the table, something unique, and something that people are going to remember and something that people are going to react to.
0: So, when you get to WWE, then like, what's what's the story there? Like, who calls you? How do you get the gig? Because I'm sure at first, like most guys uh, going up through the scene, uh, whether it's an NXT or regardless, going straight to the main roster, you guys are putting on multiple different hats. You know, being like backup or like security officers, like. Mm-hmm. What was that whole thing, what was the whole experience for you like getting that call for
1: WWE? Well, people don't, you know, it's cool to do that, and it's very cool for anybody to be an extra. Yeah. But When you're an extra, that means you're a no-name, like you have no name on the indies, and that's why they're throwing you on TV, because nobody knows you. So you could be a cop, you could be a doctor, you could be a job guy that's getting beat up in an enhancement talent match, and nobody's going to pay attention to you, because you don't have a name on the indies. Right. Like, you know, for instance, like Thunder Rosa, who just wrestled for the NWA world title, she couldn't, she's an independent wrestler. She couldn't be a security guard on WWE because people at home, some people that, you know, like very smart fans will go, oh, that's Thunder Rosa. And they'll be paying attention to her instead of their WWE superstar that you're supposed to be paying attention to. Mm -hmm. So it's funny, man. Like a lot of guys that'll get extra spots, like indie guys, like not all of them. I'm just saying I've seen some guys over the years, they get like a head from doing it. I'm like, and I always thought, do you realize they they use you like that because they see nothing in you right now, and they're just, you know, and when I got to do it with Strowman, it's because you know I just was friends with one of the referees there, and I got booked in a, as an extra, and then they keep kept bringing me back because you get booked as an extra and you don't bother anybody, and you don't, and you just mind your piece of cues. They keep on uh, booking you, so. You know, for me, I thought that was going to be my one match in WWE. I was going to get squashed, and I, and I just, you know, in my head, I knew what it was. I'm like, oh, this is cool. I get to be in front of the crowd one time, one raw, get to do my little thing. And then when they told me they, when they told me they were giving me a promo, right? Because c- like the angle with Strowman at first, when they took him from the Wyatt's and put him by himself, was he was going to run through all these guys. But the angle is we get to say our last words before he kills us, right? Like you know how when you're about to go to the chair you get your last words. So that's what those promos were meant to be. So when they told me that they were giving me a promo, I thought to myself I said this is my only shot in the world to say something that they're going to remember and 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 maybe they'll invite me back. Maybe like, oh, that that kid cut a good promo. We'll have him back again to do something. And I go in there Look, you know, it's a commercial break. I'm looking at the crowd, and um, I remember looking at JoJo with the ring outside, I was like, "Man, you know," and she smiled and waved. I was like, "What a nice girl!" Like, I don't know, it was just weird stuff going through my eyes. I was like, what a nice girl! Like, looking at the crowd, I was like, "This is cool as everything I thought it would be." And then um, when this music hit, it was time for me to cut from. I went right in that mood, and I thought of the Any Man Two Hands uh, has a fighting chance line earlier that day because I knew I was punching him twice. And so I asked the writer, who was Jimmy Jacobs at the time, I was like, can I say this line in the promo? And he goes, oh, you have a kick-ass line. Yeah, go ahead and say it. That's fine. Like, if he would have said no, no, you can't say it. I would have never said it. Hey. So once I said that line, guys that were in gorilla position for the next match, you know, talking to them later on, it, like Enzo. Enzo was in gorilla position. Him and Kaz were doing something next. I remember Enzo told me, man, Vince – like as soon as you said that line was like started paying attention to you like what he's like that was a good line and he's like then Vince watched the way you sold and your facial expressions and all that so when I got back from that match uh Arn Anderson sent me to Vince McMahon and Vince McMahon shook my hand told me good job and told me right then and there he was gonna hire me and I was like what like what you know here I am two weeks earlier not gonna quit wrestling but gonna slow down wrestling you know and went from that to, hey, I'm going to hire you. I'll be in touch. And six weeks later, my contract was right there and got got a two year deal. And, you know, he was always very straightforward, would be very nice to me. But, like, a businessman, he, when I gave him a two year contract, he's like, you're going to get paid for two years. You're going to travel the world. He's like, you're going to do all this cool stuff. He's like, then after that, I'll bring you back every now and then. You know, like, he knew what he envisioned what he wanted for me right away, man. Like, it was very cool. Very
0: cool. I mean, that's nuts. I mean, take me back to a little bit about how they kind of picked you for that Strowman match. Like, how many guys did they consider? Like, how many of you guys were actually like in the room when they were there picking was, that first opponent?
1: There was seven or eight guys, and Orrin Anderson was the agent. And he, you know, he just comes up to me. I was the smallest guy. Usually, they like using the smallest guy, yeah, because it makes their superstar look so much bigger. He said, "Come here." He said, "Can you throw a punch?" I said, yes, sir. And, like, I answered it because I know I could throw a punch. Right. Like, I said, yes, sir. He goes, are you sure? I said, positive. Like, and I was, like, confident. I was, like, not cocky because I'm positive. I said, I said I've said i been doing this a long time, and I feel – all right, well, if you throw a good punch. He said, you'll get a spot on Raw tonight. I didn't know who it was against or anything. So he had me throw a punch on one of the other extras, and guy, he just looked at me quietly. He goes, he's like, that was – He's like, that was way better than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> yeah, that's what he said. And I'm like, oh, thank you. And he goes, yeah. He's like, usually I'll ask somebody out will go to throw a punch and it just looks awful. He's like, that was, he's like, I don't want to blow smoke up your ass, but it was really good. You got the match. And I'm like, there we go. That's cool. And like, again, I thought it was going to be my only match ever there. Uh, very cool.
0: So, so you get the contract from Vince right after that, he hires you. What, what was your next thing before that? Because there was a decent gap there between the Strowman match and then obviously your run with Ambrose and Styles on SmackDown there. Oh yeah,
1: it was um, – so July 25th, not, uh, 2016, I did the Strowman match. And my next appearance was until the first week of September on SmackDown, which uh, it would you know be like four years ago to, uh, tomorrow. Yeah. Um, so it was six weeks a gap. But in those six weeks – Every week they were sending me ideas of what they might be doing with me. Like the week after, I almost came back and was going to dress up as Enzo and Chris Jericho was going to beat me up. So they were like, yeah, it's too early to bring you back. Strowman just killed you. We can't have you come back the next week. It'll make Strowman look weak, which I 100% agreed with. And then SummerSlam came up. And they were like, hey, we might have you versus Heath Slater and the winner gets a contract for SmackDown and you're going to win and nobody's going to see it coming. And then uh, Heath started getting over as a babyface and they wanted me to be a babyface, so – they squash that because, you, you know, they're like, you know, no, nobody gets anything out of this because they want to cheer you both. So nobody gets anything out of that, so I was, which I, I remember being so sad about that. I was like, man, I could have been on SummerSlam and I'm, I'm not, but I knew something was coming. And when they brought me into that smackdown, they are like, yeah, we're going to advertise this match where AJ's looking for a partner. He can't find a partner. So Daniel Bryan makes you his partner. And you guys are going to face John Cena and Dean Ambrose. And then that was like we were supposed to actually have that match, right? And um, then in the middle of the day, they're like, "Hey, hey, we we came up with this thing where the Miz is gonna attack you on the uh, stage and beat you up, and then he get interjects himself in the match, and then you know you'll come back in a few weeks and you wrestle the Miz." I was like, "Oh, cool, that's that that's cool." You know, um, I was like the Miz. Uh, seems so easy to wrestle. He seems like it's, it's just a, an easy thing to do, and it would be fun. I, I, I was, like, very comfortable knowing I was going to wrestle with Miz when I came back. And then when I came back, they're like, oh, yeah, the stuff we're going to have you do with Miz, we're going to have you do with AJ Styles now. You're going to wrestle AJ. I didn't know until the day off that I was wrestling AJ Styles. I'm, and I have so much respect for AJ. I think he's just the absolute best wrestler in the world. So for the first time in years and years and years and years and years, and years I got very nervous. Yeah. Cause I was like, "What? AJ Styles? He's a WWE champion. He's the best wrestler in the world." In my head, that's the sounds of Baltimore in the background. There it is. But, uh, you know, the uh, ambulances or police cars or whatever. I don't live in a bad part, but <laughs> you can hear it. Um, so yeah, so it's just it's crazy how man, it, things change quickly there and rapidly. I mean, that holds... Because he's
0: arguably, and you just said it yourself, one of the greatest wrestlers, if not the best wrestler in the world, today. Mm-hmm. Did he kind of, like, take you under uh, his wing, in a sense, and just kind of calm you down? Because that's like... Yeah, like, oh, especially uh,
1: after our first match. After yeah. our first match, he was like, hey, man, you know, you don't have to be nervous in there with me. I'm going to take care of you. Because, you know, he felt I was nervous. And we had the match a week, week later for the WWE title, and... um which was cool because I pinned, like, you know, Ambrose was the referee in the yeah. first match, and I pinned him because Ambrose counted fast, knocked him out and all that, did, you know, the real gimmick, you know, win. And then a week later, I remember wrestling him for the WWE title, which was my – that was my dream. I had two dreams in wrestling, wrestling for the WWE title and be on WrestleMania. So that was, like, goal one, wrestling for the WWE title. And when you're standing there – and, I like, it was so crazy to me. It was like a movie. I'm standing there. Looking across the ring at the best wrestler in the world, the crowd's chanting my name, and the referee's raising the title as I'm looking at it. And I'm like, what? So I wasn't nervous in that second match. I was having fun. Like, I – because, you know, he had a nice talk with me. He calmed me down. And by the time we had uh, – and I won that match by disqualification because he wouldn't get off right. me. Uh, the referee counted the five or whatever. So uh, we had a third match for my contract for SmackDown. And that match was a good match. If you go back and watch the ladder match with him and I, like just such, like I, by then I, I, I was feeling it. Like I was feel, I was like having so much fun. I was so comfortable. And, you know, I'd been in there, you know, you act like you've been there before. So I'd been there before and I, you know, I was doing house shows at that point and all that. So I was really comfortable. And man, it, like, it was so much fun. And yeah, AJ was very good to me. You know, I, I I love him. If I text him right now, he'll text me back. He's a great guy, for sure.
0: So when they tell you for the first match that not only are you going to be facing the WWE champion AJ Styles, but you're actually going to pin him, you know, like in Rocky fashion, Ambrose gets involved. But the <laughs> fact that they tell you you're going to be in a match with arguably the greatest wrestler today, and you're going to pin him, and then you're going to get a WWE title match the next week, like what?
1: Or did you take them seriously? Like no, most- I thought they were, I did. I thought they were joking. <laughs> I was like. <laughs> And I, I didn't – it's like – and AJ came up to me and told me what was going on. I thought he was joking. And it wasn't until we got around the ring and Arn Anderson had the script in his hand and he showed me. And I, and I saw that Ambrose was the referee and Ambrose was, you know, hit his finish on him twice. And I was I was like, oh, okay, now I get it. I was like, okay, and that makes sense to me now. I at first I just thought they were kidding until I actually saw it in my own eyes. And, and, like, I remember, like, walking around all day, I was like, this? I was like, am I in a coma? Like, what? You know, like, just weird, man. Like, you go from busting your ass for 14 years and doing like, you know, wrestling, just like small places. Which I have so much respect for all those small places because I got to learn my craft. You know, you're wrestling at boys and girls clubs in Delaware, and you know, you're like just stuff like that, and you know, and uh, just now you're wrestling. WWE champion at the Pepsi Center in, in Denver, Colorado, and wrestling. And our first match was in San Jose, California, where the Sharks play. San Jose, and it, 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 it was so surreal, especially at the time, man. Like now that it's been a you know few years, and I get to look back at it, like I get to sit here and and just you know relax and think about what actually transpired. It's very. I, I think about it every day. Every
0: day. Was AJ really easy to work with in the ring, whether it was in a normal wrestling match or in the ladder match? Like is it true that he like his reputation, he's just like the slickest, easiest wrestler to work with?
1: Uh, oh, he's the best. Nobody can touch I don't know if I'm a homework for him, but like I you know, I watch wrestling all the time and I you know, I really I feel like I know it pretty well being doing it eighteen years, going on nineteen years. And yeah, he's amazing. He's so good, so crisp everything makes sense. You know he's agile, he's athletic, he, he's 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 aggressive, he like he everything a wrestler should be. He he's like the total package man. He's yeah. he's, he's amazing. So
0: what goes behind the uh, the James Ellsworth heel turn there at TLC? Because obviously you're with Ambrose the entire time, and all of a sudden you you dump him off the ladder. Styles retains. Like what was the whole? Uh, like what, from a storytelling aspect, like what were the what did the writers tell you about that? Like why they? Well, you know,
1: the story kind of made sense and it, and it didn't at that point. The story was great up until that point. Yeah. I remember Ambrose and I both hate uh, Moxley. You know, John, it, we both hated that that was the finish because we were like we feel like we could do more with him and I together after AJ. Yeah. But here's the thing. A lot of the time, they want to way out of the finish where both guys come out looking strong. So I had won that ladder match for my contract. Here was the story. The story makes sense, and they didn't explain it good enough. They kind of explained it on Talk at Smack, didn't really explain it on SmackDown or, or on TV too well. But I won the contract, which also stated that I got a title match. And James Ellsworth, being the doofus character he was, thought in his head that he truly beat AJ Styles three times. So if AJ Styles is the WWE champion, James Ellsworth can beat him and become WWE champion. And they had me explain it on Talking Smack after TLC, which 5% of the audience watches Talking Smack, you know. Yeah. So nobody really knew. What, like, it never really got explained other than that. And when Talking Smack, I said, oh man, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, I cost my buddy uh, Ambrose to match, but... I get a WWE title match now against AJ Styles, and I have his number, and when I win the title, I'll give Ambrose the first title match. And, all the, like, I was trying to make sense of it. It was, right. I mean, it was not good. And, and the crowd in Dallas, it was in Dallas that night, Dallas, Texas, TLC, popped when I did it because they were pro-AJ. Like, they were for, I almost thought, like, on SmackDown the week before TLC, or the week of TLC, the, uh, you know, SmackDown when it was on Tuesdays, It was that Tuesday and then that Sunday at TLC. AJ was like, you know, I, you know, you're a big star because of me, James. It's all because of me. I gave you opportunities. He goes, it's because of him I I hit you harder. It's because of him I hurt you. It's because of him I did all this to you. It's his fault. So to me, I'm thinking they're gonna turn me heel and put me with AJ. Yeah. Which would have been awesome. Like that, I could have been, you know, and would have, dude. He was getting cheered all over. He was a heel. Oh, AJ was getting cheered and all of our house shows, more than Dean. I did all the house shows. And, I, and Moxley's awesome. And I, but AJ's just AJ. He's he's sacred to wrestling fans, you know? And he looks cool. And he wears these cool gloves that the kids like, you know, like he's just so I was like, man, if they want some heat on him, if they want him to be a heel and get food, why not have me? toss Ambrose off the ladder and you put me with him and I'm his lackey and I'm his little guy and and he uses me to help him win match. Like I thought that would have been better, you know, but Vince was very, very married to the idea of me being with Carmella, which I love being with Carmella. but I thought, you know, AJ was dropping the title to Cena at the Royal rumble. Why not get another month where I'm with AJ and then when Cena beats AJ, then AJ doesn't want nothing to do with me anymore. We could have got another month out of that I thought. but you know i kept it all to myself because i was new to the company you know i had all these ideas in my head and i i just kept it to myself because i was scared and you know I, as i learned lately late, when i got more comfortable i would pitch idea after idea after idea to me i was showing them that i cared I, i'm just not here to collect a paycheck i want whatever i'm doing to be good and be entertaining and have the audience enjoying? A lot of guys, nothing against them, nothing wrong with it, are just collecting money. They don't care if they're on TV, not on TV, doing cool stuff, not doing cool stuff. Like, me, I, like, I'm going to make money regardless. Like, I'll, like, I have kids. Like, I'll clean toilets if I have to to make money to make sure my kids are okay. So it was never about the money to me. I just wanted to do memorable stuff and create moments and make the crowd pop. And I was there for the people. And, um, you know, I, so when, they would do, like, you know, later on when I was at Carmelo, and they weren't doing much At towards the end and doing really hokey stuff, which I'm sure we'll get to, I would pitch ideas and be like, hey, you know, I would tell them, like, hey, this is why I think this isn't working or this feels a little uncomfortable for the audience or whatever. How about we do this or that? And so I think I got a little overzealous with it. Yeah. But at first, man, that idea where it would have put me with AJ for another month, I think would have been really cool. I'm coming out, doing the entrance with them and acting like, you know, I mean, it would have been cool. Yeah, because
0: that was kind of like a quick transition. You you turn heel there, then you have like the quick title match with him where it was a basic squash, and then yeah. you meet with Carmella. Had, were there any moments there in that first initial run with Ambrose and Styles where you kind of went backstage after a segment and Vince was disappointed in a sense? Like, Did you ever have any like run-ins where he was kind of like, he went from, oh, this is great stuff, to like, oh, that was really disappointing, like don't talk. Well, anymore.
1: like the, uh, the, the AJ Ambrose, And Ellsworth stuff was all so good. Like I felt like everywhere we went, you know, when you do house shows, those are the real fans that like they're coming to house shows. Like it's not on TV, you know. So they were reacting to it so loudly, and and on SmackDown TV, they would react to it. It was like really good stuff. So for me, AJ and Ed Mox and Ambrose, like it was hard to follow. Yeah. But the Carmella stuff did get good. It took a minute. And it, like you said, it was so crazy. He like squashed me on TV. And I was like, Vince, like Carmella pitched the idea to put me with her. because She wasn't doing anything. She was jobbing Nikki Bella and didn't have anything for her after that. And she went into Vince and had the idea of putting me with, with her. And I, like at the time, I was the number one selling T-shirt and I'm this and that. So she had the idea of like, hey, like I act like I like him. You know, like you know, I I dangle the carrot in his face, and I use them to help me win matches, and the fans will be like, "She's just using you, leave her alone." But as time went on, man, like I became the heel. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like, and that wasn't supposed to be it. She was supposed to be the heel. So Vince likes her a lot, and and as well he should. She's awesome. She always looks great. She always has a great attitude. Um, so Vince, Vince. Was married to that idea, and that's why. And that's why it translated so quickly. It literally translated on the same show, like you said. I got squashed by AJ. He whooped my ass after the match, like badly. Where I'm like in a cast, and like like his styles, clashed me off the stairs, all this stuff. And then the same, I won the same show. They did that uh, where she came up and was helping me.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> and, like it was that quick. Because Vince Vince loved that idea so much, and then. At first, man, like, the, the Royal Rumble was next, so they didn't have, you know, that's before they had a girls' Royal Rumble, and they didn't have much for the girls. Yeah. But, um, they, so they did this thing where I'm trying to be in the Royal Rumble. I want to be in the Royal Rumble. Um, and had me, like, do all the social media stuff. And then, so I was in the Royal Rumble, and Carmella came out to the ring with me. So that's what we did on that show. Then in the Elimination Chamber, the following month, we sat in, like, a suite and watched the show, which was really cool. That's what I got paid to do, sit in the suite with Carmella and watch the show when he popped one. And, and Dasha, who's with um, All Elite Wrestling now, she was, like, interviewing us. And I remember I grabbed the mic from her and I cut a heel promo on her and I did the mic drop and the crowd went, oh! And I remember Vince telling me at TV uh, that Tuesday that he loved that, how I dropped the mic. Yeah. So I thought I was going to do that on all my promos. And then they never let me do it again. I'm like, but Vince liked it. Like, what? It's just weird stuff, weird. We get to... um then I, you know, after Elimination Chamber, I started helping her beat like enhancement talent, like extras. You know, she was beating like girls from the Indies. I was helping her do that. And that got old real quick. Yeah. And we had a meeting with Vince. It was me, Carmella, Vince and Rodog, and he's like, We need to get some heat here. How do we get some heat? And it's crazy, this is the first time I ever spoke up. Because I thought it was so insane that like, why are we asking this question? I go, Um, I haven't helped her beat a girl in the main roster yet. As soon as I help her beat one of the main girls, then I, I think we'll get some heat. So that night she was supposed to lose to Becky on SmackDown. That's I, like yeah. I was supposed to get knocked off the apron. So Vince switched the finish to me helping her beat Becky. And when I helped her beat Becky, the whole place booed us. And yeah. we got to the back, and was like, "There you go, that's heat!" Ha ha. And I'm thinking, I'm over with Vince now because I pitched for that to happen. I'm like, I, do, I just gotta help her. And then from there, I would help her just win matches here and there. And then you know, because we like. Uh, we knew we were getting in some money in the bank, and that's when we got our major heat that really worked good at, for a while. Yeah, that was like
0: a almost three-week storyline. You grabbed the briefcase. Who who pitched that idea of you grabbing the briefcase? The you No, know,
1: Vince's idea, Vince. Wow. And I loved it, man. I loved it. Loved it. <laughs> and uh, they really – that's where I think the ball started getting dropped because we had such good heat come out on the house shows with that briefcase and smiling, getting booed out of every building. Like, I'm like, man, we're I was like, we're getting booed more than anybody. This yeah. is great. I said, they're going to give you the title, blah, blah, blah. I said, probably down the line, Becky will beat you for it. Get a big pop. I said, but we're going to have heat for a while. Right. And then they did an angle where Daniel Bryan suspended me for a month. I was gone for a month. And, I like, again, I think I got too comfortable and spoke up a month. When they did that angle, I'm like, "Guys, this kills our heat." I said that to like the writers and you know, like uh, um, the producers, which is I guess is a no-no. I, I was like, "This kills our heat." He's like, "No, you'll have more heat when you come back." I'm like, "No, we have heat right now. Like when I come back, I, they might be happy to see me because I'm a goofy little Dennis the Menace character." And they and I remember so I was gone a month and I hated it, dude. I hate no health shows, no TV. And I love performing. I I love it, dude. So, giving me a month off in the middle of a a hot heel run with Carmella ate me up. It ate me up. And when I come back, it really started to get weird. I came back, got a big pop. We were in Canada, and she was wrestling Naomi. I came from under the ring, pushed Naomi off the top rope, and uh, she kicked Naomi and beat her. And the crowd popped. We were in Canada, which Canadian fans – I feel like they like the heels anyway. Yeah. And I, I've been off the TV for a month, and I came back, and you know, when you, at, during any comeback, it's an initial pop, and in the hometown because the hometown feels like we were the important town that got this comeback. Right. You know? So I got a pop, and I remember getting it back. They're like, "Oh man, your heat's gone." They like you. I'm like, I said that a month ago that this was gonna happen. Like, so from there, I felt like. You know they were trying to get Carmella, you know, some more reps in the ring to get her better, to get get her better, to get her um, ready for her title run, and they like did some stuff where Carmella kind of had me like cuckold or something on a dog leash. And oh, I remember yeah. that, and I don't like I don't mind doing anything. It's all a show. It's all showmanship, but I remember it just didn't feel right. It just felt flat. It felt maybe like it wasn't PJ. It felt like maybe some parents would turn this off if they see this. They don't want their kids watching it. So I I explained to them. I said, I'll do whatever you guys want. I'm not above anything. I said, but this, I don't get it. doesn't feel right. Like, I'm supposed to be her dog. I was like, what? I was like, I'll do whatever you guys need me to do. I'm not complaining. I love it here. I'm making a lot of money. I'm living my dream. I'm traveling the world on your dime. I I just want the stuff to be good, though, and I don't feel like this is good. And I think they kind of – like got mad at me. They didn't say anything. Nobody ever said they were mad at me or anything. They always told me, Good job, good job, good job, good like always. So, you know, and then for the next couple of weeks, we wouldn't even do that on TV. It barely ever made T V with the dog leash. And then out of nowhere, like the leash was gone and they were like, You're wrestling Becky tomorrow on SmackDown. <laughs> and I'm like, Well that's cool. People will like that. Yeah. You know, people will like seeing me tap out the Becky. That'd be great. I was like awesome. So they did that. And then once they had Carmella, that's Carmella like super kicked me after the match. I was like, "Whoa, I'm not going to be with her anymore." And I said, yeah. "I don't, I feel like I feel like this is it for a while. Like I, you know, I had made all my money on the con, the two year deal. I had made every dime. Yeah, and I felt like they're like this, they, they, I felt like they didn't know what to do with me right then and there because she had the the uh, money in the bank contract. So what did she need me for, really? You know, so. From then, you know, they got rid of me for a while. And the whole time she had the contract, I was gone and she just really wasn't doing much. She cashed it in, beat Charlotte, had a pay per view match with Charlotte in May of 2018. If you go back and watch, it wasn't the best match. You know, it just, they didn't click that night. It happens. And then um, I came back at Money. When when they let me go the first time, they they told me, you'll be back. And sooner than you think. They were like, just go have fun on the Indies, make your money. Because you're going to make a lot of money on the Indies. You had a hell of a run here, which I did. I loved my run there. That that's first and most run. I mean, I got to beat the world champion. I got to be on WrestleMania with Carmella walking to the ring, taking a bump I, from Becky on in WrestleMania. I got to be in the Royal Rumble, and I traveled the world on their dime. Like yes. I hate seeing, I hate 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 seeing wrestlers on Twitter or, or any social media complaining about WWE and what they did there or what what their time was like there. And I'm I'm like, yeah, it gets frustrated frustrating because every wrestler thinks they're the greatest wrestler in the world and they could be doing better but at the same time i would never say anything bad about them publicly i dude i, I was traveling the world when they're dime i made so much money I, i'm very blessed because of them like it was, it was great and like i i can't knock them you know i can't knock but like so i don't get when people do it I, I understand it gets frustrating any job gets frustrating but just to knock them publicly like that i'm you know it's It's embarrassing to me, you know? Right. And, um, so yeah, they brought me back. I did the money, the bank return, um, taking the Oscar mask off when she was facing Oscar, um, in Chicago, got a big pop, dude. I'll never forget that pop. It meant so much to me because I've been gone seven months and just to get that reaction, like, wow, they, they like this character. They love to hate them. They love to love them. This is a good character, you know? And I was like, I'll do this for life. they just, bring me back every now and then it's better to me to do it that way than if if James Ellsworth is on tv every week it gets stale I'm just getting beat up every week I become just another guy that gets beat up yeah or I can come back like I did for that two months get Carmella through Asuka, you know and then it made sense because the SummerSlam she lost the title and I, they did the thing where Paige fired me a few weeks before that so I was going for that so you know which made sense but yeah man like I hope to get back there and do some stuff soon, you know, and um, I, I had a blast. I love it. And, um, you know, the James Ellsworth character, I feel like it'd be gone five years, it pop back up and people are going to know what it is oh, and, yeah. and make a reaction to it.
0: Did you like um, kind of, I guess, you're the one unique guy, the only guy who who's really done it is go from, you know, wrestling to AJ Styles and Dean Ambrose and uh, the Cena in the ring as well in a tag team match to actually – wrestling becky lynch and oscar like and that obviously leads to the making of the intergender championship in the indies but did yeah. you enjoy that aspect more than actual like the, the the men's division
1: i enjoyed that the james ellsworth character could do anything he could yeah. wrestle for the world title or he can wrestle oscar that's so crit. like that's such a unique that's called being like a you know a switch hitter like you, you can yeah. bat left hand you can bat right handed, like uh, that was the unique thing about the character. You could put him in any situation, and it would almost make sense. Wow. You know, I'm not I'm not a threat to the girls. Look, if you put me in there, nobody's gonna be like, "Why are they putting this guy in the ring with the girls?" They're gonna go, "Oh, James Ellsworth's about to get his butt kicked by these girls." Or if I'm in there with the world champion, they are like, "Oh my god, would they have James Ellsworth win the title?" Like they like yeah, I put like that character put people through such a metal roller coaster, but. Yeah, man, like I, you know, I hope in the near future there's a Royal rumble appearance or maybe at Money in the Bank again or something, you know, you go through stuff and you got to take some time to, to, you know, for people to understand that it's not real. And then you come back and I think it's, it'll it, probably get a nice reaction the next time it does. Like, yeah. obviously I would love to be signed there for 10 years straight and make a lot of money. But at the same time, I'm a performer and I, I think for the character it is best if it just comes back every now and then. You get more out of it. You get bigger reactions and you know, like, it, it makes <clears throat> so I get that to a sense and I, I hope they still feel that way. Yeah,
0: we'll I mean, that. the Rumble is probably the easiest time to do it. Did you enjoy that first Royal Rumble?
1: Because you were only in oh. there for like a few seconds, right? It, well, I mean, not really. I was, I was out there for a few minutes because oh, I okay, you didn't, didn't get, me, get the, the ring, ring. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I did I did the entrance, and I was supposed to do that spot with Brock Lesnar. Like, <laughs> I, man, I, like, I wish it was. It made Not more possible. sense if it was with Braun. It made more sense, like, they thought about it. They're like, it's more sense if he does it with Braun because him and Braun have the history. I eliminated him with the Survivor Series. We had the, you know, my first match there. Um, I remember when I heard it was be against Brock, I was like, I don't give a crap. Hell bad he beats the crap out of me. I was like, I, I get to be in there with Brock. I'm a big fan of Brock. But um, they switched to Braun, and I was like, oh, yeah, that makes more sense. But I was like, so I, I went from, I was nervous when I heard it was Brock. Like, that nervous came back. But then when I heard was Braun, I was relaxed because uh, yeah. I would worked with Braun before. But, yeah, man, that, the World Rumble in front of 54,000 people at the, uh, at the Al- Alamo Dome in San Antonio, yeah. Texas. And that's where Sean won his second title. And I remember, and Sean's my favorite ever. So, I remember, man, I was like, this is where Sean won the title. This and I got a big reaction when I came out. And if you go back and watch it, the re- I felt the reaction because it was a long run to the ring. And they were so loud when I came out that I felt it. And I'm jumping up and down. I'm running. I'm hitting hands. and doing all this. And Carmella's, like, behind me. Like, and she couldn't even, like, catch up. I, so, I remember we got to the back. She's like, I was so far behind you. I was like, I'm sorry. I was just excited. She's like, yeah, you got a really good reaction. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I felt that one. So that was cool. Royal Rumble was my favorite pay-per-view. Yeah. So being a part of it was amazing, dude. Like, I think a lot of guys, they stop thinking like that. Man, when we were kids, if somebody told you at a set when you were seven, eight years old, one day you're going to be on the Royal Rumble, like that eight-year-old kid would be ecstatic and appreciate that. I never forget that, man. I think a lot of guys get there and, oh, yeah, well, I'm the tag champ, but I really should be the world champ. It's like, dude. Like, when you were 10 and somebody told you you were going to be WWE Tag Team Champion, when you like you'd be like, holy crap, like,
0: yeah, yeah. I don't know. Oh, my God. And I do agree with you. It kind of makes more sense storyline-wise to be eliminated by Strowman. He's also kind of like the happier monster as opposed to Brock. Did you have any weird, like, backstage encounters with Brock Lesnar? Did you ever introduce yourself? Oh, dude,
1: so every time I saw him, I went and said hi to him. He was yeah. very nice to me. And I remember the first time I met him uh, was... The, the Raw was it the Raw it might have been the Raw that uh, we came down Smackdown invaded Raw and you know Chris Jericho put me on the list or whatever I think it was that and I think it was that night it was the first night I met Barack. or it might have been Survivor Series which was that Sunday it was one or the other and I remember I walked up to him I said hi I'm James nice to meet you and he goes hey James you've been doing a good job on TV congratulations like that just so nice. Yeah. I was like, oh, what a cool dude. Like, I was like, I was so <laughs> happy. Like, I was like, what a good, what a good dude. And every time I seen him after that, he would do a couple of our SmackDown house shows, um, or I'd see him at Royal Rumble, or I'd see him at WrestleMania, the big pay-per-views. I would always go up and shake his hand, and he would always say hi to me, and he would say my name. Hi, James. Hi, like. I don't know man. I, I I thought he was pretty freaking cool. <laughs> uh, who do you think was like the most
0: genuine, like cool guy? Like what you see on TV is who he actually is in real life. From like a
1: well, with, perspective. Well, Dolph Zaylor's really, really nice. Yeah. Just such a nice guy. Just one of the boys, has fun, smiling all the time, cracking jokes, making fun of himself more than anything. Like you like, I remember one time I was texting, like, we were on a, a house show on a Monday night. Those SmackDown Monday house shows were so much fun because we're going up against Raw. Like, Raw's play live on TV. We're having a SmackDown house show with some third rate town somewhere. And we love those. But I remember uh, we we're sitting there and I was texting the writers to see what my promo was for the next day. And he goes, Hey, can you ask that writer uh, who I'm jobbing to tomorrow? <laughs> like, like, making fun of himself. Like, very, very nice guy, um, but I'm trying to think who's the same as they are on TV yeah. um, I'm trying to think who comes off as really nice Mickey james probably she comes mm-hmm. she comes off really nice on TV and she's really nice in in person I've known her my whole career like I she was one my, she was my first match when I was 17 years old we wrestled at, in front of like 20 people at a birthday party and I wrestled her we We're the only two wrestlers there. So they had, and I was like three months in. And I had to put on a mask, and but yeah, she's very, very sweet. She comes off as sweet, and that Natalia too comes off as sweet on TV, and she's very sweet in person.
0: Uh, I, I met Jericho a few times at a few Fozzie shows, just you know, meet and greets or whatever. Was he a, Was he a nice guy to be around? I he gave you like that chins McMahon. Uh, uh, um,
1: so Jericho is my probably best friend from WWE. Yeah. I talk I talk to him all the time. Um he's very I mean, he did so much for my career, man. Like he put me on Talk as Jericho twice. He he wrote a whole chapter in his book about me. It's called like the Ellsworth Chronicles or something. Yeah. And all that and put me on the list that night on Raw. Like he pitched to do that. All that stuff helped me so much get over so big. And I, you know, he gave me the rub and I'll never forget that man. I, I make sure I stay in touch with him. I, you know, he's very busy um, with Fozzie and with, uh he's still wrestling. And, you know, he has a family. So um, I, I think the last time I talked to him was about a week ago. But if I text him, he'll text me back. And I can't wait to see him again. It's been a while since I've seen him, but I can't wait till the next time I, I do see him. are supposed to do Fozzie here in Baltimore in October next month. That will happen. But we'll if, it does, if it does, I can't wait to go see him. And you were on the, uh, the first cruise,
0: right? The first Jerry yeah. Cruise? Was that was yeah. that one of the uh, intergender championship matches
1: that you had? Yeah, yeah, I did. I worked. Uh, they had Ring of Honor matches on the show when I worked. Uh, Jenny Rose was Ring of Honor, and man, like I had the crowd so my like I I wish there was a tape of that somewhere. Man, like I came out and they were chanting F.U. Ellsworth, and I was like, it's funny you guys are chanting that now, but when I walk around the ship. You guys come up to me and you're like, James, James, you're such an inspiration. Can I please have a picture with you? And I was like, I've been kind enough to get each and every one of you a free picture. But now I come out here and you chant this at me. I said, so those pictures are no longer free. You guys owe me $20 a piece for those pictures now. And there's 2,200 people in this boat. So you all owe me $44,000. <laughs> like And They were just they're like that. That's how they reacted. Like I just, ha- I just had them. I remember the Ring of Honor book Delirious at the time. He was like, man, I'll, I'll use you more on shows. And we never got to it for yeah. various reasons. But he, I, I had so much fun. And then uh, when he was playing with the I, I crowd surfed. There's a video of it on the internet with me crowd surfing. And Jericho stopped the song. He was like, only on the uh, Jericho cruise will you see James Ellsworth having <laughs> crowd surfing. He's had it right on the mic. Uh, uh, I, I enjoy him, man. He's he's the best. He's the, the, the uh, reverend of reinvention, as I like to say. And yeah. he. Oh, I mean, like, dude, when he comes in, like, his entrance music is more over than most, peop- most wrestlers. Oh, you got everybody singing it. It's insane. Yeah, like, it's it's such a cool thing. And I remember the Jericho Cruise where they did an episode of Dynamite. He was world champion. He comes out on his cruise, and everybody's singing uh, Judas from his band. And I'm like, this guy's the man. He's the world champ. This is his cruise on live TV. And everyone in the crowd singing his song from his band that's when you know you're the band like he's got the whole world by by the throat you
0: know i mean that's nuts was that cruise kind of just like wide open like you're just like in the middle of it all like there's just a bunch of random people whether it's you know like you jericho Corey taylor was there the first year like and then a bunch of fans like was it yeah yeah
1: dude you just anywhere you go there's wrestlers and fans and magicians and comedians or whatever like it was crazy, dude. Like, it was four days. Like, I'm glad I got to do it. I don't know if I would ever do it again. I, if he asked me, yeah, I would do it. I, I would do anything he asked just because he's done so much for me. But, like, I, and who knows if we're going to have cruises anymore or how – we don't know what the world is anymore. Like, it's really crazy to me. It's my whole opinion how the world is. I, I do wear a mask when it's required. When it's not required, I don't. That's just how I personally feel, which, man, you can't say your feelings anymore. Like, right, I know. But it just – Um, I do the requirements. I, you know, I don't break the law. I've never breaking the law and that's the truth of the matter. And, and just, you know, it's, it was a lot of fun. The first cruise, I'm glad I did it. It would be a memory. I'll cherish for the rest of my life. It was a lot of fun.
0: And, And you just said you just got back from Tennessee, uh, doing one of your first events. Like how, how hard was it for you? Like, was it just like a complete culture shock, like totally out of work once this virus hit back in March
1: Dude, so, you know, I, I try to adjust to any situation, so the virus hit, I'm like, all right, well, you know, because I'm usually wrestling once or twice a week, and making, making a good living, you know, like, like especially when I first got off TV bed, like, I, I really did well, and I saved all my money, like, I already, I already had a house before WWE that I bought, um, you know, I've had the same car for fifteen years. Whenever it dies, I'll buy a new car. But I don't really spend money like that. Like I don't need anything. I got my fiance, beautiful fiance, who I've known for nine years and we've been dating three years. I have my two kids that live with me that I have from a previous relationship. The mom and I are still friends and like so I have everything I need. I don't really buy anything. But yeah, um when the uh pandemic first hit, I ran a show two weeks before that. Oh wow. And my prop, yeah, my prop... I mean like a little over six thousand dollars profit in my pocket right then and there so i'm like all right well that's a big chunk of money i started thinking all this stuff in my head and i'm like all right i'm not gonna wrestle for a while who knows what the hell's gonna happen i was like and then i just started selling merchandise online i saw i sold uh those, i sell those women's money in the bank briefcase for replicas and i sign them and i put merch in them i saw them for 200 dollars a top and i've sold like 70 of those and i had this truck that um, my dad and I last summer did like a little crab business with, and we made some money off of it. But, dude, I, I just – my heart's not into anything but wrestling. Right. So I, I like sold that truck, and I made a $5,500 profit off of that. So like, I've been, you know, and, uh, back wrestling, you know, at least three times a month. I, I've been blessed going on – this will be the third month I've wrestled three or four times, July, August, and September. I, so it's picked up. Um but you don't know, like, I can't run my shows, dude, and when I run my shows, I do pretty well. I can't get in the state of Maryland. We're not allowed to do any of it. Yeah. So, um, sucks, dude. It's it's ridiculous, because <laughs> we're not, like, we all go get the COVID test and get cleared, you know, and they won't yeah. let us. It, it's just weird, but I, I've adjusted well. I have no complaints. I... I, I'm, I'm doing very well knock on yeah. wood hope continues but man these what's have been how many months has it been now six months six in counting yeah I've done very well for myself I, I can honestly say and I'm not trying to jinx it but I have more money in my account than I did six months ago somehow some way you know It, <laughs> it, it just I, it's crazy and um, yeah man so hopefully the world gets better soon
0: so from a merchandising standpoint and trademarking, I guess, at the very beginning of that first WWE run, how quick was the whole chinless thing uh, uh, kind of manufactured?
1: Oh, it, I think the first the first um, match they mentioned that was the German. But, dude, it's like they would call me all the chin names. I just thought it was hilarious because like, I know yeah. like, when you get made fun of as a baby face, um, it gets you more over. Like, you know, people feel bad for you because they get sympathetic. Like, oh man, they talk about him like that. Yeah, I hope he punches them in the mouth, you know, stuff. So I was always very aware of that, dude. Like, yeah. I, I was, I think I was more aware that I should have, like, they gave me credit for it first. Like, dude, I didn't go through the PC. I didn't go through NXT. And I wish I would have because you, you get a job for a long time if you go through those places. Like, oh, you, they have time and money invested in you. So they're going to try to get the time and money back out of you. Me, I was just something they, a diamond in the rough that they caught. You know in pittsburgh pennsylvania an extra match they were oh we did a couple of years out of this kid and they did and they made some money off of me with the t-shirts and action figures all my merchandise sold well the very little they made and you know it, it, it worked out for everybody man like i said i have no regrets i you know do i what do i wish i was there for 10 years hell yeah but i get why i, I get why the character can't be on there every week you like, hats off to the guys that are just get beat every week that are there to do jobs. You know, that that's fine. I It's great living. Everybody has a role, and there's nothing wrong with that role. But, like like I said, I was gone seven months, came back, took the Oscar mask off, the place went nuts. To me, those memories last forever. Like, I, 15 years from now, I'll be in a Walmart, and if I do nothing else at WWE, which I'm pretty sure I will, but – and 15 years from now, if I do nothing else, I'll be in a Walmart somewhere shopping. Somebody goes, oh, my God, you're James Ellsworth. I remember you when I was a kid. You, you super kicked AJ Styles, and you took the money in the bank from the girls. And, like, like memorable stuff. It's not how long you've been there. It's what did you do that's memorable. There's people that have been there 12, 13 years that people don't remember, like, you know, what they did. Like, And that's just the nature of the beast.
0: Uh, I mean, were there any backstage politics or, you know, like backstage heat in any of that sense? Or did people kind of like understand your role coming like right out of the gate, not having to go through NXT and all
1: Most that? did. Most understood it that had been wrestling a long time and went through the indies. The ones that just went through NXT that didn't understand it, they didn't get it at first, but now they get it because how can you not get an education being in WWE? Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, there there was some envy and jealousy at first, which I knew going in there was. I like I always knew wrestling really well because I had a good trainer, but every, you know, I got along with pretty much everybody. Obviously, like at any job, you don't like there's there's one or two people you don't like. You know what I mean? Like that's at any job, but I mostly loved everybody and got along with everybody and had and, and had a great time. And I and I miss a lot of them. Yeah.
0: Do Do you have any like specific like storylines that you've thought of in your head from a creative standpoint that you'd want to do if you ever got the call back?
1: Oh man, like the twenty four seven title would be perfect. Oh, or, yeah. Like just man, like you know how um, our troop is fooling around with Zawa and the ninjas. Yeah. What if one of the ninjas pinned one of them out of nowhere, runs up the ramp, and they're like, "What the heck? What the heck?" And I take off the ninja mask, and it's me. <laughs> I think people would lose their minds. Another huge and, pop. Yeah. Yeah, like, and, and then, and, and in that sense, you only need me for, like, a month, and then one of them can pin me again, and I can be gone again. But, like, just stuff like that, I think they're going to start, like, a new angle with Carmella soon. And there's always, they never wrote off Carmella and I. Right. Like, I came back, I helped her win, and, you know, with Oscar twice, and then Paige just fired me. Like, Carmella and I never, like, there's no ending to that story yet. So I would like to come back and end that story, like or continue the story. Like I love working with Carmella, man. What an awesome person! And yeah. like I think they're about to start something new with her. But um, anytime I come back, or I mean, if AJ's there, there's always a chance to come back and do something with AJ. Revisit that, or revisit Strowman. Any any of the nostalgia, you know, like is there? But like something new would be the twenty four seven thing, or or maybe try to come back and be with another one of the girls or you know just um there's, there's a lot you could do with the character it really is it's it's a unique character that doesn't get seen. it comes around every so often a unique character like that yeah. right
0: well the, the last thing i wanted to talk to you about and i don't want to take too much of your time it's looking like it's getting pretty dark on the east coast
1: oh yeah you can't see me probably <laughs>
0: But I wanted to uh, talk about kind of your relationship with Gilbert because you were his mm-hmm.
1: retirement match. I mean, uh, how long have you known Gilbert? My, my whole life, man. I, wow. I met him one. Yeah. Like I, so he was friends with my uncle when they were teenagers and he knew my mom and dad, my, and my, uh, the, yeah, the uncle he was friends with was my mom's brother. But anyway, uh, the story, I, I've told it a million times on podcasts. I'll tell it here. When I was nine years old in the fifth grade, I saw Dwayne on TV on Raw, jobbing to Owen Hart, and then the next day he was at my my elementary school changing a light bulb on a ladder, and I was like, "That's that's Dwayne, Kill. I saw him last night on TV." And I go, "Mr. Dwayne, Mr. Dwayne, ain't you like a big celebrity wrestling star? Why are you here working at my school?" And he told me at nine years old, he's like, oh, you'll understand one day." Yep. Yeah. Man, and boy, did I. Because <laughs> he was <laughs> just an enhancement talent, making 200 bucks for that match. You know, he needed a regular job. Wow. So, yeah, he's nah, but we're good friends, man. We talk weekly basis, and we do signings together. And uh, he, he had a great run in WWE. I had a great run in WWE. we both characters. People will never forget. Oh, yeah. But, like, Santino Morella, man, like, he was gone five, six years. We came back um, at the Girls' of Rumble. I can do stuff like that, oh, you yeah. know. Oh, yeah. So, and I'm, dude, and I'm thinking when I get my 40s, I'd really like a run as like a Jimmy Hart, uh, Jim Cornette, Bobby Heenan style manager. That's my next goal in wrestling, is is to be like that, like that mouthpiece for somebody and get some major heat. And, you know, and I want to do it with WWE. I love WWE. That's my home. That's where I want to work. Anywhere else, I'd love to work anywhere, but WWE is where I. I wanted to be when I was a kid. It's one, of, and even though I got there, I'm going to go back there. It's that's my that's James Ellsworth's home. Right,
0: and on that topic of being like a mouthpiece, like you said you wanted to be like a Jimmy Harder, uh, you know, just like a, a manager type. Like, would you even consider starting your own? Because you have a bunch of connections in the wrestling business to talk to. I mean, you mentioned you're going to talk to Jerry Lawler pretty soon. Like, would you even consider starting your own podcast
1: down the road? Well, I had a podcast for a while. It was called The Doug Cast, and I had some great guests. I had Chris Jericho on there, Teddy Long, Ryback, um, to name a few. Eric Bischoff was on there. Um, it was called The Doug Cast it was on YouTube. The guy put videos up. The guy that did it with me, wound up stopping, he was going through some personal issues. But, um, right, yeah, I, in the future, will start a podcast, but I. See, if, when I do it again, I don't want to hold back. I'm going to get my true thoughts, and I feel like if I do that now, it might not help me. <laughs> so I'll, like, I'll be like Jim <laughs> I'll be like Jim Cornette, but like <laughs> I really, my next big goal in wrestling is to be a manager that when the, the heat gets so bad, you got to put them in the ring to get beat up, kind of like I was with Carmella, you know. But this just, just dude, when I when I was with Carmella, I, I was killed with the promos. I felt it. I felt yeah, the crowd was re- Like so. I hope I get to do that again, but like a more of a, you know, weekly base, you know, yearly basis, because I feel like there's something there with that character that could be a Bobby the Brain Heenan or a Jim Cornette or a Jimmy Hart or, you know, something like that, that really, really could get somebody over as a heel, like I did for Carmella, but I have it on my resume already. Uh, and what's the goal
0: for these uh, Tennessee shows since it's all, the only thing available right now? like, uh, Do you have a specific goal for those shows or are you kind of just like practicing, like getting repetition in, whether it's promos uh, or in-ring stuff?
1: Well, right now I'm making a living doing it. You know, I, I wrestle for a living. But the Jerry Lawler show, September 26th, it's his 50th anniversary in the wrestling business wow. show. And the Rock Roll Express are going to be there. Kane's going to be there signing autographs. Jim Ross is going to be there signing autographs. Scott Steiner's going to be there. D'Lo Brown, uh, Doug Gilbert, uh, just uh, the name a few. There's Arn Anderson. I'm going to be wrestling. I got a singles match there. Um, just like it's, it's probably a dozen names, big names. Jimmy Hart will be there. I'm, I'm just thinking. If you go to Jerry Lawler's Twitter, you'll see the poster. And, it, and we're celebrating 50 years of the King in wrestling. And Jerry's one of my all my top three favorites ever: Jerry Lawler, Chris Jericho, and Shawn Michaels. Wow. So. Yeah, and um, but yeah, so that's going to be a big show. It's in a five thousand seat ballpark. They're allowed to do half capacity, so they are expecting the twenty five hundred people.
0: Wow. So I'm I'm going to assume Jerry Lawler. It's going to be close to Memphis, right?
1: Yep. yep. It's in Jackson, Tennessee, which is like
0: forty minutes from Memphis. So. Nice. September twenty-sixth. James, thank you so much for taking time out of your day, the last hour to talk to me. I'll let you get inside. I feel like the mosquitoes are going to get you.
1: Oh, they uh, are getting me. They're yeah. Dead. You hear them in a the bagger? They've been tearing my ankles yeah. up the whole time. Yeah, I'm from
0: Jersey. I understand it, man. What
1: part of Jersey? Uh, Morristown. Morristown. Okay, so you're probably like two and a half hours from.
0: Right. So. Yeah, it's not that bad of a drive. I have a friend from uh, Frederick,
1: Maryland. Oh, nice. Yeah, from here to Frederick's an hour, but yeah, dude, next time I'm in Jersey, an indie show. Come check it out.
0: Oh, I'll, I'll check it out, man. I'll send you an email. Thanks so cool. much again, man.
1: Alright, thank you, brother. Take care. God bless. I am so bummed. I forgot to get my girl tickets for the show tomorrow, and now it's sold out. It's her freaking birthday. Oh, dude. She's probably gonna break up with you. She's definitely gonna break up with me. Should've used pick. Wait, what'd you say? pick. Look. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. What? there are no hidden fees what you guys think i said oh tick pick i thought you said tick pick no hidden fees download today thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a
0: five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search
1: for b-l-e-a-v on youtube